0: It's time for the Hokie Hour on the Tim Donnelly Show on the WRAD Talk Network. Now from the Makadoo Studio, here's Tim Donnelly. Welcome back. Tim Donnelly Show here on the Talk of the New River Valley, WRAD, 101.7, 103.5, 1460 AM. do want to remind you, if you miss any part of the Tim Donnelly Show, the Tim Donnelly Show podcast is, is available everywhere podcasts can be found. We post links on our Facebook. We post links on our Twitter as they are posted each day. Um, but also, you can just go anywhere podcasts can be found, Spotify, Apple, all that jazz, um, and search for it. Just WRAD, Tim Donnelly Show, a bunch of buzzwords will all end up in the exact same place. So we would uh, appreciate it if you do that. Uh, it is Hokie Hour, and and there have been some things coming from John Yetzi, the director of recruiting for the Hokies. Uh, but before we get to any of that, we got to get you set up with the top four. Uh, this is Top Tuesday. Oh, it's no, wait, Top excuse Tuesdays. Me. Excuse me. Stop that. We haven't Whoa. gotten everybody Whoa. covered yet. Whoa. So so let's stop right there, and make sure you're covered. We can't be we can't be moving on until you're covered. It's got you covered. No one has time to catch all the games. Don't worry, Tim will get you covered. Well, the XFL had an excellent run of an unblemished reputation for all of one weekend. The XFL Wildcats, first of all, it is a complete travesty that you can name your team absolutely anything and you name your team the Wildcats. But secondly, they have already fired their defensive coordinator and linebackers coach, Pepper Johnson, a guy that has an extensive career coaching in the NFL, mostly as a defensive line coach. It took them a single game against a June Jones-led offense for them to decide that Pepper Johnson is not the one they want running the defense. And on top of that, Anthony Johnson, who is their team captain, no relation to Pepper Johnson, is their team captain and also one of their main marketing center points, tweeted out free agent with an exclamation point. So the LA Wildcats might be without both their defensive coordinator as well as one of their premier defensive players, and they've played one game. The XFL has to be worried because stuff like this could threaten the legitimacy reputation of your league if you're willing to throw out work like that. There's a reason why NFL coaches have long leashes. It's because they put in work investing in coaches and players. The XFL should at least make it seem like they do as well. Uh, In the college scandal side of things, NC State has come out and says they don't deny that an assistant coach received forty thousand dollars from an, assistant cons- an Adidas consultant, excuse me, uh, in November uh, of twenty fifteen. But, but they don't agree that that money was then passed along to Dennis Smith Jr. Because I guess Adidas is in the business of just paying assistant coaches now. Uh, NC State, you cannot take a leak on me and tell me it's raining. Uh, Moving right along, Mike Bolsinger. How about this one? Mike Bolsinger, in the final appearance of his Major League Baseball career, came on in relief against the no-good, dirty, rotten, cheating Astros and gave up four runs, four hits, and three walks in just a third of an inning against the cheating Astros. And guess what? He was sent to the minors and never brought up to the majors ever again. So guess what? He is suing the Houston Astros for ending his career. And guess what? I'm on his side. There is no reason that a player whose career was ended because of the no-good, dirty, rotten, lying, cheating, stealing Astros shouldn't get some kind of compensation from those very same Astros. If you're going to cheat and you're going to reap the benefits of cheating, such as World Series rings, such as long playoff runs, such as gigantic contracts. If you're a player that cheats and converts that into a $100 million contract, then you should have to deal with a guy like Mike, Mike Bolsinger saying, guess what, guys? I'm coming for my money, and I want it all. Uh, in the ACC basketball last night, number seven Duke beat number eight Florida State 70-65. to 65. Duke has some Virginia Tech with NBA player-like feels, meaning – They are so young and they were so much learning to play alongside each other early on in the season that you should be able to expect them to get better and better, just like we do with Virginia Tech and all of those freshmen. The difference being Duke's base talent level might be a tad bit higher based on the fact that they're all five-star recruits. And when it's a little bit higher, maybe the fatigue doesn't hit them as hard. The freshman wall doesn't hit them as hard. I'd expect Duke to be able to do some big things down the stretch because I was really high on Florida State, and they just looked like the second-best team on the floor last night. John Yetzi, the director of recruiting for the Virginia Tech Hokies, appeared on the Sons of Saturday podcast and he had some cold glasses of water to the face for Hokey Nation. The quote or the, the segment of the show that really took off is that two recruits mentioned explicitly that they were contemplating not committing to Virginia Tech because of negativity on social media, negativity that they heard from the fan base. I will tell you this much. You're never going to quiet everybody, control what you can control, but that is the cold glass of water to the face that the Hokies and some Hokie fans needed to hear. And then lastly, Bill Self, second youngest to 700 wins in the history of college basketball as a coach. In the article on ESPN.com, absolutely no mention of the fact that Kansas and Bill Self received notice of level one violations, and it needs to be mentioned. There you go, everybody. That's got you covered. Now that we've gotten you covered, we can get into what I was going to get into before we got you covered, which of course is the top four. It's Top Tuesdays with Tim Donnelly. Here's your top four. Top four, and as always, when we're in Hokie Hour, we're keeping it optimistic and we're talking about whatever team is in season. So, top four reasons for optimism for Hokie basketball, starting with number four. This is one thing that I like to remind you of every once in a while. They're freshmen. They're freshmen, they're freshmen, they're freshmen. Top four most productive players, six of the top... Eight productive players, six of the top seven scores. They that they, they are freshmen. And and I I I know it's not like a like a you know a be all end all. Every bad thing that ever happens you can just point to and say they're freshmen, but they're freshmen. Do you know what most people are doing their freshman year? They're packing on fifteen pounds, staying up too late, and skipping their eight AM. It's what a lot of freshmen are doing. Right, The freshman 15 getting themselves jolted back to reality and doing everything they could never do uh, when they were living under their parents' roof. Meanwhile, what do you ask athletes that are freshmen to do? Have impeccable time management, uh, put the, the hopes and dreams of an entire athletic program on their, their shoulders and go run into the, the, the fray and come out victorious. Sometimes it's just too much. But that's not to say it's always going to be too much. Lobra, what is the best thing about freshmen? They're young. They become sophomores. <laughs> they also become sophomores. <laughs> that's, I mean, that that's are the, also the, young. The cliche is, is, and the best thing about sophomores is they become juniors, right? The, 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 there's always room for them to come back better. So if you look at this program, I mean, there's no substitute for experience. Right? There's no substitute for, hand, substitute for hands-on learning, and that's what they are getting in spades this season for those young guys. Number three. Tyrese Radford. I'm still, still blown away by what Tyrese Radford can do. The fact that he can play the style of play that he plays – at the level that he plays it, against the competition that he plays against, and and he can flat out rebound and defend and score and slash, and not even need a, a three point jumper. He doesn't take very many. At six feet one inches tall, is absolutely unbelievable. Um, you know, if you're looking for a a surprise of the season, I would say Tyrese Radford is that guy. Uh, the redshirt year, played all for him. He, he's really, really good. Go ahead and give me Tyrese Radford as number three. Number two. <laughs> Mike Young. Mike Young. See, now now this is one where I got to just remind y'all that what Mike Young was doing earlier in the season was outlandish. It was unrealistic. It wasn't repeatable. What he was doing was finding a way to win with a hodgepodge group of freshmen. Now he's dealing with the back end, and I want to make sure that that on the downslope everybody doesn't hop off the bandwagon because I'm still, you know, I'm still driving the bandwagon. I'm still driving the 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 Mike Young bandwagon. And we, we've got plenty of people still riding. I just, I, you know, I'm not stopping. You, you know you, uh, you know when you ride the city bus and you got the thing where they pull the cord and it, it dings and that means stop? Right. You could be dinging all you want. This bus is not stopping. If you're getting off, you're going to pay for it. If you're getting off the, the Mike Young bandwagon, you are just hurtling yourself out the side and you're going to have to wear a couple bumps and bruises because we're not letting you off easy. Mike Young, number two, Easy. And number one, Landers Nolly, Landers Landers, Nolly. Nolly, back at the number one spot after about a month away, 29 points in his most recent game, and he wants the big shot. I don't care how bad of a shot you think it was, you're wrong. He wanted the ball at the end of overtime in a game-winning situation to take the jumper to win the game. you got to want that if you're Landers Nolly. He shot over 50%. The team shot 40. He shot over 40% from three. The team shot 30. He is so important, and he's giving us reason to believe that he is that good. Now, mock drafts have him sitting in the second round. First pick of the second round of the Golden State Warriors, I believe – If he comes back, he will increase his stock, but I cannot knock him if he does leave. If he doesn't, however, watch out next year. Landers Nolley might be one of the best players in the entire country. That's the top four when we come back. John Yetzi, director of recruiting of the Virginia Tech Hokies, was wildly candid on the Sons of Saturday podcast. I have a couple clips I want to play for you. Stick around. Got something to say? What do you just saying? Call in now, 540-639-4900. Say what? Bring your opinion. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. But be sure you can back it up. Back this thing up. Calm down. We're backing. More of the Tim Donnelly Show next on WRAD. Welcome back into the Tim Donnelly Show. Talk of the New River Valley WRAD, 101.7, 103.5, 1460 AM. Shout out to the guys over at the Sons of Saturday podcast. They got an unbelievably candid conversation from John Yetzi, director of recruiting at Virginia Tech. Seems like they may have had a, I don't know, a friendship relationship with the guy, but they got him to answer questions that that you just don't get someone within an athletic program to answer very often. Um, so we have a couple clips from the answers there, and and the Sons of Saturday, as I said, uh uh check out their podcast listen to the whole thing get all of the context that you want i just picked a few clips that that we want to talk about here um one thing that i hear often when it comes to complaints about virginia tech recruiting is everyone deals with it everyone deals with it okay so we're not alabama or clemson everyone else uh, duh, 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 duh. okay but the fact of the matter is virginia tech does have some things that they are not up to par with other programs that you would expect them to be up to par on. Okay, this is how John Yetze, uh responded or, or elaborated when he talked about a, a player personnel conference that he went to, he and one other person for Virginia Tech. So they Virginia Tech sent two people to this player personnel con- uh, conference. Here's his, his story here as part of the Sons of Saturday podcast.
1: And so last year, not this past year, but the year before, so I guess that was August 2018, was the first year of the convention. And it was just Mark and I that went from Virginia Tech to the convention. And I roll into the convention, and here come eight people in UVA, pullovers, rolling deep. There was about 15 people from Florida. Uh, there was about 15 people from Georgia. And I was like, oh, Lord, is there really that many people that are working in recruiting? Um, so that was, that was kind of the eye-opener uh, for me in terms of knowing how many other people are at these other places. Um, you know, we have just strictly from like a recruiting and operations department, there's seven of us. I know that there's 18 at UVA. Did you hear that? There's
0: a lot more at other places. At UVA. Virginia Tech is falling behind UVA in recruiting personnel at the conference, he, the, he rolls in squad deep, he and one other guy. He looks around, he sees eight from UVA. There's seven on the staff for Virginia Tech. UVA sent more than that to the conference. Yikes. Florida, Georgia, they sent 15. Who knows how many people they have back on campus. Right, he's saying UVA's in the high teens back on campus. And his reaction is fantastic. His, the direct quote you just heard, oh Lord, is there really that many people working in recruiting? Virginia Tech didn't, their future, I believe at this time, director of recruiting didn't even know what he was up against. He doesn't, He didn't even know what a fully staffed recruiting room looked like. That's the most legitimate gripe I've heard about Virginia Tech yet right? Because there's a lot that I say, you know, if it's out of your control, it's out of your control. Move on, right? You can sit and cry about it or you can move on. But this is, is, I mean, if you need bodies to compete, there's no way you would go out onto a football field and say, all right, they're playing 11 defenders. Let's see if we can beat them with seven offensive players. You wouldn't do it. That's what their recruiting budget and, and staffing situation has forced them to do. Yetzi told told another story where he was talking about, you know, he did the graduate assistant thing and he he was a student assistant and he worked his way up, and they wanted to give him a job, right? They recognized the value that he brought to the program. And they told him, listen, we have one job that we created that we think we could give to you, but you have to learn Photoshop. You have to help with our graphics. So you have a week, go learn Photoshop bro you had some experience with editing software. Yeah. Can you teach yourself Photoshop in a week?
1: Not not to be super <laughs> proficient with the, it. The
0: way yetzi described it was he went to a coffee shop from six in the morning to whatever eight o'clock at night, sat on his computer seven consecutive days and just tried to learn Photoshop, which means there was a lot of googling, a lot of making wild and crazy and out there graphics. And then he showed back up and he said, listen, it's not great, but this is what I can do. They gave him a job that that should have never taken place. This is what should happen. And he was an entry level guy, right? He's not looking for a hundred thousand dollars, 200. He's looking for like enough to pay rent and, and, you know, order pizza on Friday. Like there should be a entry level position For every single entry-level staffer that Coach Fuente or the recruiting staff thinks brings value to the program, this should be the amount of discussion that goes into hiring an entry-level staffer. Coach Fuente. This is me being Coach Fuente. I think we should hire him. End scene. That's it. That's all. If there's an entry-level staffer that Virginia Tech thinks can help with recruiting, end scene. That's all they need to do. And and if he's real good, boost his pay next year and the next year and the next year as he keeps earning. The, the, you can't compete two on eight. You can't compete seven on 18. You can't compete seven on 30. And that's what you're asking this recruiting staff to do. And that is a problem. We'll have another clip from that interview when we come back as part of Hashtag Hokies, next. This is the Tim Donnelly Show. WRAD, 101.7, 103.5, 1460 AM, live right here inside the Mockadoo studio. Guests and callers join us on the Baker team hotline, 540-639-4900. We're continuing with John Yetzi, recruiting director of Virginia Tech Hokies. Uh, and it's, a, it's an interview that he had with the Sons of Saturday podcast. Want to give those guys all the credit. They were the ones that coaxed the, the candid conversation out of Yetzi. Um, but this one specifically plays into one of Hokie Nation's favorite topics, which is other Hokey Nation members on Twitter. And that's why it fits right into our hashtag Hokies segment. Uh, John Yetzi, uh, talking about fan base, talking about uh, social media, talking about recruiting, had this to say.
1: And then you look at all these other reasons – uh, as to why it really was the year from hell, just being, you know, explicitly point blank, quite uh, completely honest. The wrong like, clip. Wrong clip here. Wrong nope. clip here. Okay.
0: Uh, go ahead and play clip number three. Sorry, I should have should have teed you up on that. It's
1: all good. The other perspective of this is like the recruiting aspect of it, right? Where, just to be completely honest, like we had two situations this past year where recruits explicitly referenced our fan base as reasons why they weren't committing to Virginia Tech. Like one kid. We overcame it, and he's committed to us and signed with us. And one kid, we were never able to get him back on campus.
0: Now, this gets complicated, right? One, you have to think of the motivation for saying this. Consider the source, right? John Yetzi is the director of recruiting. They missed out on a recruit. It, It behooves him to have reasons as to why and and give him credit during, again, to put in full context, he said, like, I'm not making excuses. He said that on the, on the podcast, but, but it's, it's a dangerous narrative. It is a dangerous narrative when you start blaming the fans for not being able to, to recruit or for recruits deciding not to play for Virginia tech. It's a dangerous narrative because you need fans and you and you need people in stands and you need people to be passionate and you need people to donate and you need people to buy jerseys and 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 you know fans are fans regardless yeah and i've i've said this from the very beginning if you get and and i would would you say there's thousands and thousands and thousands of Hokie fans i mean they they fill the uh lane stadium with almost 60 you know 60 plus thousand people every single saturday right so there's obviously like dozens and dozens of thousands of Hokey fans. If you get that many people in any group, right? If you fill Lane Stadium with any group, if you fill them with 60 plus thousand plumbers, 60 plus thousand Celine Dion fans, 60 plus thousand uh, people that work in the garment industry, 60 plus thousand people that drive Toyotas, right? Whatever your demographic is, if you get that many people together, there's going to be every different kind of person. There's going to be pessimists. There's going to be optimists. There's going to be loudmouths. There's going to be introverts. There's going to be tall people. There's going to be short people. There's going to be passionate people. There's going to be apathetic people. Like you, When you have that big of a group, you're going to have them all. When you have 100,000 Hokie fans, 200,000 Hokie fans, whatever number you want to pick, there's going to be some that are tried and true, maroon and orange, and, and you, Coach Fuente could, you know, kidnap their dog, and they'll still be saying, Coach Fuente is my coach. But then there's also going to be the group that just looks at life differently. Maybe they're beaten down. Maybe when they watch Winnie the Pooh, they identify more with Eeyore. Right? There's, there's going to be that batch of people that when they go into work every day, they're not saying, what a wonderful day of work. They're going in saying, Aha, another day. And those people are going to be on Twitter too. And those people are going to see the recruiting rankings too. And those people are going to have every bit of access to the program as anyone else. And they're almost just as important as anyone else. They are just as important as anyone else. Their money spends the same way as everyone else.
1: Right. I mean, we do talk about sometimes like the reactive fans, the toxic ones and things as the, well. The the
0: things that I will bash you on is is if you're saying personally negative things, right? If you're if you're letting it get beyond football or basketball or whatever the sport is and getting into you as a person do this, you look this, your family, like if you get personal, I got no time for you. Got no time for you at all, and I'll put you on blast. Uh, and the other thing is if you are adding the the recruit. A recruit, if you're gonna say something negative about a recruit, there's no reason for you to knock on their door and read it to them. Which is what you're doing when you tag them in, in posts.
1: Now, is this happening fairly often where people the- are being being like there are negative people on there are tiny. negative
0: people on, on yes and there are mean people and there are angry people and there are people that are, are jealous of these kids like but like I said when when you have we'll use ten thousand as the number but it's probably closer to a hundred if you have ten thousand people you might have nine hundred or excuse me nine thousand nine hundred awesome people right which is what I think Hokey Nation is but those hundred are gonna be able to get their opinions heard
1: Right, they have Twitter. And those crazy negative ones are the ones that you're gonna probably stick out more to you, you know? And
0: and it and it can like it can happen. It can happen. So there's two sides of this. One, if you have a recruit that before they even commit is worried about what Twitter will say if things don't go well. I'm not sure that recruit is mentally ready for big-time college football. You have to be ready for people to yell things in your face in the stadium. You have to be ready for people to tweet negative things about you. You have to. Absolutely have to. And, and, if, and if you're already sensitive about it, you've got some growing up to do before, before you can really play at this level. Because it's going to get meaner, it's going to get angrier, it's going to get more negative. I also would rather have someone who, who doesn't really allow those negative thoughts into their head, right? Um, I, I say this all the time. Like the Alabamas and Clemsons of the world, how in the world did they recruit um, over five stars, right? If you have a five-star running back that's a freshman, how the heck does Alabama and Clemson get another five-star running back in the very next recruiting class to sign up to be there, knowing he might sit behind one of you know the 10 other five stars in, on the planet right now for the next three years. I, I never got that. But the thing that's always been brought up to me is those guys th- are so confident in themselves, they think, oh, there's a five star above me, but I'm better than him. Of course I'll go to Alabama. I'm going to start as a freshman. So when this happens, I kind of want the recruits that are saying, Oh, there's a segment of hokey Twitter that gets gets angry? Oh, they're going to love me. Right? Oh, I'm so confident in myself, there's going to be nothing for them to get mad about. And then lastly, this. And this is a lesson that took me a while to learn. And it's, I mean, I'm not even saying I completely learned it. It's still a work in progress. Control what you can control. It's cliche. It's boring. It's coach speak control what you can control the hokies recruiting staff cannot control a fan base there's this pesky really really frustrating thing called free speech can't control a fan base you can't censor them you can't you can't put put muzzles on them you can't tell them what your message is that you want to get out there and and have us as as a media you know relay it to the fans and have the fans relay it it doesn't work it doesn't work. So two recruits mentioned that the Hokie fan base was negative. You kind of just have to overcome that in the recruiting battle. I'm not sure there's anything you can do, John Yetzi. I think I think the the solution there, right? Because what do I say on this show? It does no good to be a problem guy if you're not also a solutions guy, right? Mm-hmm. The problem is two recruits, one of which they still signed, one of which didn't end up committing. Um, two recruits mentioned negative fans as a reason why they were hesitant, to, at least hesitant, if not straight reluctant, to, to sign with Virginia Tech. That's the problem. The solution, I guess you could think possibly, is to turn every single Hokey fan into a spewer of rainbows, unicorns, and candy gumdrops. But that's not possible. It's not realistic. Right? Some people are negative and some people like being negative. So the other solution would be to overcome it. You have to learn how to spin it. Right? When they say negative, oh, they're not negative, they're passionate. Right? You have two options. You can complain about something you can't fix, or you can overcome something that you can't fix. The last quote uh, from John Yetzi on the Sons of Saturday podcast will be coming up next, um, and and it's one that a lot of a lot of people here in the state of Virginia are not going to like. Stick around. Hokie news, hashtag Hokies, ACC news, a team like Duke who went on to lose to everybody by a billion, in opinion this year is finally the year where this program is without a doubt. Justin Fuente's program, more of the Tim Donnelly show next on WRAD. Welcome back into the Tim Donnelly show. Talk of the New River Valley, WRAD 101.7, 103.5, 1460 AM. Uh, so we're kind of going through the John Yetzi interview on the Sons of Saturday podcast again. Shout out to those guys. Check out the podcast; it's worth a listen. Um, John Yetzi, director of recruiting, and he's talking about he was asked point blank. And again, these are the questions that most of the times won't get answered. So it, credit to them for getting that uh, um, for getting that that the the candid nature responses, um. Basically, why was this recruiting class so bad? Right, we we've all chronicled it. We've talked about it here on this show. One of one of, if not the worst recruiting class in Power Five. Here's what one of the reasons John Yetzi responded with.
1: And then you look at all these other reasons uh, as to why it really was the year from hell. Just being, you know, explicitly, point blank, quite uh, completely honest. Like we did not like the state of Virginia last year. Like, to us, there were seven kids in the state of Virginia that we felt like were good enough to play for us. And obviously, we didn't do a good enough job of signing those seven kids, um, but we thought there was only really seven. Like, when we're recruiting right now, looking at it from the perspective of, does this kid help us beat Clemson?
0: So here's the deal. First of all, I love that last bit. I want to give Yetzi credit. Does this kid help us beat Clemson? Love that.
1: Because you were saying, like, you know, I think a couple days ago, like, that should be your goal, Every
0: right? year. Every year. The, the Why are you playing if you're not trying to win a conference championship and you can't win a conference championship in the ACC without going through Clemson? So I love, 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 capital L-O-V-E, that they're recruiting with that on their mind, right, with that on their mind of, of how can we beat Clemson? Will this player beat Clemson? And he goes on to say – you know, maybe this player won't help us beat Clemson in a year, but maybe they will four years from now. Does he have the upside? They look at that. But the other thing is what he said at the beginning, right, which is they didn't love the state of Virginia. They felt there were seven players in the state of Virginia that were worthy of being signed, and they didn't sign any of them. And maybe that's why you see him going into places like Texas, because I guess they're saying due to the size and due to the the nature of Houston football, Texas never has a down year, right? Florida probably doesn't ever have a down year, but I'm going to make an argument here. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make an argument here. Virginia never has a down year. You can win if you just win Virginia every single year. I guarantee that. We didn't love the state of Virginia. You should love the state of Virginia every single year. If there's seven guys, get a couple of them. And I'd argue there are more. You, you would be, you would have a very, very extremely, extremely difficult time convincing me that between the powerhouses such as, uh, you know, Northern Virginia, you, you start looking in the Chantilly, Centerville area, the 757, Ocean Lakes, Oscar Smith, right, you start looking at the, that you would only find seven players that can help Virginia Tech? Seven? Again, consider the source, right? When when you don't end up with any players from the state of Virginia or one player from the state of Virginia like Virginia Tech did, it's wise not to come out and say, there were 37 major prospects that we thought, like it's wise to, to limit that number, Uh, And they're not going to advertise if they missed out on 30 guys. But I don't think downplaying the talent in the state of Virginia is ever a good move. High school coaches listen to that. I don't think downplaying the state of Virginia is ever a good move for a school that should own the state of Virginia. Right? Even, Even if what he's saying is true, and it was a significantly down year in talent, and they, and and it was seven guys that they thought were were worth the pursuit. If you're Virginia Tech, you should snag more than more than one of them. And he said they need to do a better job. And I appreciate the 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 honesty of it, right? I appreciate the self awareness of it. But but I need more than that. If Texas never has a down year if Florida never has a down recruiting year, if Georgia never has a down recruiting year, California never has a down recruiting year, if Pennsylvania never has a down recruiting year, then Virginia needs to never have a down recruiting year. And Virginia Tech in the state of Virginia needs to never have a down recruiting year. Again, control what you can control. How about this one? How about this? If, if, if Virginia only has seven, go to North Carolina. If Virginia and North Carolina are down, go to Tennessee. If Virginia and Tennessee are down, go to South Carolina. Go to Georgia. Go to Florida. Go to Texas. Go to Oklahoma. Go to Denver. I don't care. If your job is to recruit, recruit. Control what you can control and don't worry about the rest. One thing you can control is identifying talent and finding a way to get it here on campus. That's what recruiting is. I don't care where it comes from. I would rather it be from Virginia because I think that's where you're going to face the path of least resistance. But if you got to go elsewhere, you go elsewhere. You work harder. You identify more. You watch more film. You talk to more coaches. You 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 make more graphics. You do what you have to do. I know there's a difference between a reason and an excuse. And some of the things that were said in that interview by John Yetzi on the Sons of Saturday podcast were reasons, but some of them are getting dangerously close to excuses. Let's take a break when we come back. More of the Tim Donnelly Show. Top five next.